Put God first. Your presence in their lives gives them validation. Our children don't need us to be superheroes. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Men, stand up, be fathers. guys, it's Mark, your host and founder of The Inspired Legacy. As always, this is the show that equips and inspires men to be spiritual leaders in their home. And today marks, I guess, what you could consider to be a bit of a milestone. It's episode 40. And for the longest time, I've told myself, man, I need to do these on video. I need to have a presence on YouTube. And so today, my guest is Jarrett Samuels. He's a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. And I thought, what better time to introduce video than with somebody that I'm that I know that I'm comfortable with, and he he kind of nudged me towards this uh, a couple of weeks ago, back when I was on his podcast on the pursuit of manliness. So this is uh, venturing into new territory for me. I know I'm behind the times, uh, but it feels good to finally have a presence on YouTube, and you can check out our channel. You can find all of our past episodes there, including this one with Jarrett Samuels. We talk about all things. Uh, having to do with with uh, biblical manhood, we touch on the the history of the pursuit of manliness, and again, all things relating to the pursuit of manliness uh, through the lens of biblical manhood. So, with that being said, I'm excited to introduce you guys to Jarrett Samuels. Jarrett, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Mark, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for let me uh, sit down and talk with you for a minute. Absolutely. So, I'm just going to let everybody in. On the secret, if you're listening to this, uh, this is my very first attempt with video. And so I was telling Jared off air here that I've got a completely new setup, new mic, new mixer, new everything. And so I feel like a fish out of water. So if this is rough, give me some grace and bear with me. <laughs> but I figured what, what better time to experiment and try something new than with uh, a friend who's going to hopefully work with me here a little bit of all the faces you should have used for your first video. This is not the face you could have oh, went with. So, you know, don't fool yourself, man. That beard is <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and since people can see us today, uh, I thought I'd wear my hat in celebration of big 10 having football. Did you hear Amen. that? Amen. And it only took them one week to go, you know what? We should probably bring that back. Well, a week and a few lawsuits. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, man, I'm excited to do this. This is fun to, to see each other. Um, long overdue to, to venture into the video. Um, I'm going to be slowly uh, pulling all of my episodes over to YouTube um, the next few weeks so uh, people can look forward to that. But let's get started here, Jarrett. Um, if people aren't familiar with you already, why don't you just tell us who you are and, and what you're all about? Hey, thanks. Uh, well, I am... Jarrett Samuels. I'm a pastor, uh, but more importantly, um, I'm a husband and father of three. I got two girls, 15, 13, and a boy that's seven. And so I've been married about 20 years uh, to my bride. And uh, I have uh, a podcast called The Pursuit of Manliness. And we were just talking about uh, names and that how that kind of came out. And, and I've shared before, and I'll give you the short version, just when my son was born, um, collapsed lung in oh. the NICU and, and we, you know, every birth is different. And this one was certainly, um, 
it, you just knew it was different. And I, we've never been in the NICU and, and I've shared before, my story is not the worst story, but in the moment, your story is the worst story because you're going through it. And so right. I, I just prayed, God, if you'd help this little boy fight, let him fight. You know, he'll fight. If you help him fight, I'll fight. I got to be honest. I had no idea what that meant, man. I just, I'm not a fighter. You know, I'm not like a UFC guy or anything. And I'm, and I'm sitting in this little hard plastic chair in a dark little gray room in the NICU and, and uh, fast forward two years and watching him play on a little Nerf hoop and thinking, this is so cool to see my boy do what, you know, I love to do. And um, it was as if the Holy Spirit came and sat next to me. And I mean, I heard that little phrase, if you help this boy fight, I'll fight. And I thought, oh, we're about to get real uncomfortable. And for about 24 months, God just Rubik's cubed my life, man, and just moved things in and out. And it was, it was crazy. Eventually moving us to Indianapolis, where we're at now. And uh, I still think he's Rubik's cube in my life, but I've been doing the pursuit of manliness for about uh, five years now. So we're coming on the fifth year of, of doing this. And as you know, with these things, you're always trying to figure out what's next and what works, what doesn't work, and yeah. really staying true to the journey of why you started this to begin with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how old is your son now? He is seven years old. Okay. So that time through the hospital in the NICU, that was kind of what sparked the, the beginning of the pursuit of manliness? Well, let me just say, I, I was 38 years old. I'm 45 now. I was 38 and, and I'd been in ministry for, I don't know how long. I was, I was, I don't think I was depressed, but I was depressing. So mm-hmm. I was essentially just existing and yep. I was married. I had two kids, uh, two daughters and I was just existing somehow this, this idea that things will magically just get better. I don't know what I was thinking. Like someday you get a promotion or someday someone will call you and say, we want you to be on your team, you know, whatever. And so when this thing was, was when it was stirring in me, I, 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 t- I was texting a friend of mine going, what do you think about this idea? And he's like, oh, I think it's great. Well, if you have an idea, you better be the one ready to jump out of the airplane because nobody jumped with me when I jumped out. And so I had it for about 10 days, this idea, and I created a Facebook page which, you know, nobody knew I had it, but I was telling my wife one night, I said, Hey, I'm thinking about starting this Facebook thing, which I'd already started and, um, pursuit of manliness. I'm kind of just lofting it out there like to see how she would respond back to it. And I'll never forget. She was sitting there in the living room and said, if you want to practice your manliness, our toilet is leaking right now. Go fix that. And I thought, that's not what I thought was good. I thought they were going to, my kids were going to circle around me like when the Grinch stole Christmas and sing, you know, all, songs like my, my, my husband, here he is. No, they didn't. She's right. If you're going to be a man, you got to, words and action, they have to go together. And so um, I did it anonymously for about a year and a half, Pursuit of Manliness, never put any video, audio, no, no, that just words because I just, you know, just trying to your figure this blog, thing out, you know. Blog. I had a blog, but I never signed my name to it or anything. And uh, my very first podcast episode, as you as you learn with technology, I reached out to a friend. I said, hey, I want to do the podcast. And I mean, I asked him a question. He said, you know what, Jared, I think. And I thought, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to take that out. So <laughs> I was like, well, here we go. So, yep. <laughs> so you got to get pushed go. out of the plane. Yeah, exactly. Man, I can relate to so much of that. Even the NICU story, believe it or not. When our grandson was born, he was born six weeks, six and a half weeks early and obviously didn't see that coming. And man, I tell you what, not to get off on a tangent, but working in a NICU, those are some special people. I mean, they're, you're, you're, you're helping uh, little ones come into the world and, and let's just face it. I mean, not, not all of them make it. That's just the, the harsh reality of it. And so you're around that all the time, but 
to stay hopeful through all that. It's just, I think it takes a special person. So hats off to anybody who uh, is a NICU nurse or knows somebody who is. And I, uh, I want to share this with you. I, I had told that story at some men's events, you know, retreats, and I was getting ready to go to one. And I, my wife didn't know that I told that story. As a matter of fact, she didn't know that prayer. And so I said, I just need you to know this. I feel like I've been telling this to men's groups and you need to, and she said, you know, do you remember that one night where that, that nurse, she was older, she'd been a NICU nurse for about 30 years. And she came in, she said, we need to wake this little boy up. Now I've had a couple babies and thought, you don't ever wake babies up. Just let them sleep. Right. If it ain't broke. And uh, she starts flipping them around. And so my wife's talking to her and I'm frustrated. Like, man, now he's crying where it's, you know, it's 1030 at night. And she said, you know, if he doesn't wake up, um, he's in this window, it's called failure to thrive. Mm. And I guess, and I'm not a doctor, but there's certain demographics of certain kids that are more susceptible to failure to thrive than others. And so my wife's telling me this and she said, do you remember after that night, we never had that nurse again. It was almost like God had sent her in that room. We never had that nurse again. And his numbers and things started to change. Tubes started to come out, et cetera. And I think that's so prevalent in my life. When I think about that, I think about men, we run the risk of failing to thrive in our life. If somebody or something doesn't wake us up, if wow. somebody doesn't start flipping us around and getting us uncomfortable and even bringing some tears to us sometimes that we could potentially spend our whole life and fail to thrive. And I thought, you know what? I, I need to remember that. Yeah. You know, those days I where I want to throw in the towel, I get tired, I get defeated. I get, no, it's not going to be for a lack of effort. Somebody wake me up. Yeah. And I bet that nurse has no idea of the impact that she had on you. Just like you don't have any idea of the impact that you have on other men when you interact with them, but you plant that seed, you make an impact and you, you set a course that could lead them towards a whole new direction in life just from one interaction. Well, just like that story, I do remember it, but it didn't, I didn't remember, remember it till about, you know, six years later and sure. we're in the kitchen. My wife's like, do you remember that? And so those things where someone can spark a memory in you and you go, that's right. That's right. That yeah. did happen. And then you get to God saved you to help others get to know God, to get to know yeah. who he is. Yeah. That's so cool, man. Thanks for sharing that. So we touched on what kind of sparked um, the pursuit of manliness to come into being, but tell us a little bit more for those, again, for those of uh, guys listening that don't, uh, that aren't familiar with it, just kind of tell us what it is and, and uh, maybe specifically who it's for. Yeah. Originally I wanted to change the narrative of what a Christian man was. I had met some incredible Christian men who could, rebuild engines and gut deer and rebuild their home and fix anything in my house because God knows I can't do it. I mean, they were just people who could, you know, evangelize the lost. They, I mean, it was just phenomenal, but I felt like there was something that happened when they came into the church, almost like we, we khakied them up. And I thought, man, we need to tap into God's DNA is written all over them. So I went back to the Bible and I started reading about specific men. I started in Genesis and going, okay, what am I learning from this guy, et cetera. And then from that, things begin to flush itself out. And I, I have three things that I think are the, the driving forces of pursuit of manliness. We're to follow Jesus. Above all, you got to get that right. I don't care if you have a beard, you own an ax, if you crochet. I don't care what it is. You got to get that part right. We're to work and keep what's been entrusted to us. We have a divine responsibility. I, I, you don't have to be the breadwinner in your house, but you need to be 
providing. You, you, your, your wife did not marry you to run a daycare. Okay. She yep. doesn't need to have another person to take care of. And then invest was, we are going to invest in other people to do the same thing. So essentially we're a conduit for the gospel that everybody does it differently. Mark, you and I both have podcasts and we both have, we're both Christian men and husbands, et cetera. We're going to approach it differently, but we're still going to approach it with the same kingdom mindset with different skills, talents, and abilities. So essentially, it was a, a call to Christian men to raise the standard of what it meant to be a Christian man. You don't have to act, look, or, or, or be like me, be like Christ. Mm-hmm. But along the way, if we can start creating some conversations, maybe we'll begin to reach those who'd say, that church thing, I don't want any part of it. And I don't want you to make me your church. I want you to get to a church. But if we can change the conversation, maybe you'll walk into your church, small group, whatever, a different man. Mm-hmm. So is because you're a pastor and you have a, you already had a platform basically in your congregation, right? So is the pursuit of manliness uh, integrated into your church at all? Or is it completely separate? It's completely separate for a couple of reasons. One was when I first started, I was a children's pastor in Iowa. And I was smart enough to know if I tell them I'm doing this thing, I'm out. Like there was no side projects at all. So I thought, uh, yeah. and which made it a little fun, right? I felt like you were kind of doing, getting away with something, but I, I wanted yeah. to do this. I wanted to create something. If God wasn't in it, it was going to fail, but I could say, you know what? It would not be for a lack of effort in this project. And so when I came here, what I didn't want was the perception that he spends all of his time on the pursuit of manliness. Yeah, I didn't want to feel like or give the impression I was trying to fleece the flock. You know, hey, I got this brand. I want you to support it. I want you to buy my. No, so I almost downplay it and don't talk about it. I don't. You know, um, I. You know how this is. You put in a lot of hours and stuff where people are in bed. You know, you might be working on something. And you made a note over here, like I'm going to get to that later. Um, I just had to learn to schedule my time better. I had to learn to get my wife's blessing when it came to scheduling and she's a huge, my kids think it's awesome. So they're huge supports of it, but they, they love it because they, they're getting a benefit of it. And the benefit is they're getting a different husband. They're getting a different father. And, and that's yeah. the ultimate goal. Well, and I would imagine this is the case for myself anyway, that it's, it's a creative outlet. And I, I find myself getting energized through this work. I enjoy what I do outside of this but that's not who I am. Like this is more of a reflection of who I am as a, as a person, as a man. So I don't know if you find that to be the case or not. Well, I don't need any board approval to do any of this stuff, which is fantastic. <laughs> exactly. um, I've said before, and that they have an, they're very supportive of the church I'm at, but yeah. I don't want pursuit of manliness to have a budget line or anything like that. I don't right. know that stuff, but I agree with you. It is a great outlet. It becomes a hobby. Um, I, what I try to do is not blur the line between the two where, um, I've said before, I know some pastors will shy away from some stuff like, well, I'm not sharing my sermons with you, telling you to listen to my sermon series. I'm not trying to preach at you. Um, yeah, it, it is a great outlet. It is healthy. And and I, you know, if if I was doing a counseling session with you, it would not be a podcast topic. Like, I, you know, um, we get enough stuff. I don't need to use what we're, we're talking about. So, um, yeah, it's it's good. I, we have some men in our church that that are connected to it, and then we have some that are you know sure. uh, not, and that's okay. It's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I find that it just like when you are working out in a gym, it's it's helpful to have an accountability partner, right? And so I almost look at like all of my listeners, they're my accountability partners. Like when I say that I'm going to launch something or do something, like then I've got to follow up and actually do it, and they're days and you know what nights and weekends where I don't feel like investing the time but 
I'm, I know I'm being, I'm going to be held accountable and maybe even judged a little bit if I don't follow through. So in that regard, it's, it's been good for me. Like it almost forces me to stay in the word, even when I don't want to. And I know you have that cause you're a pastor. So that's kind of your job, but um, I don't know if you can relate to any of that or not, but that, that's one, one way that um, the inspired legacy has been beneficial to me personally is just kind of that public uh, accountability factor. Yeah, I tell guys that do this, um, I, I love that we, that's one of the benefits of doing these things. You get to meet guys like you and, yeah. and get to become friends with them and, you know, like, hey, we're on the same team, et cetera. Um, I, like, I'm in your, your, your closed group. I, like, I love what you put out, what you do. I think, I think that we get the idea sometimes that people are sitting by their phone waiting for our next episode to drop. They're not. No. But at the same time, one of the marks of Christian maturity is being responsible to other people. I'm not responsible for them, but to them. And yeah. so like what you're saying, you have listeners, you have downloads, you have people in your group. I said, I'm going to do this. So I want to follow through with this. It's so easy to start something. Sorry. It's so difficult to be a man of your word and sustain it, especially when big 10 football comes back, especially when the weather changes, especially when you say, Hey, I, I need to create margin in my time to make sure I do this. And men can do that by leading a group in their garage. They can do this by, you know, getting an accountability group, but I've joked, but I'm serious. It's amazing to me how many Christian men will suddenly become father of the year when there's some, a spiritual responsibility that they have. I got to help put the kids to bed. Oh, my wife had a rough day. I got, but if there's a game on or they're going hunting, they don't care. But when we have an accountability partner, a small group meeting, whatever, suddenly we become father of the year. It's Ozzie and Harriet Nelson, you uh -huh. know. Um, no, be a man of your word. As you just said, you feel that, that I'm responsible to you, even though I would say a good number of your listeners, you probably never met them. No, no, I haven't. Dependability. That's an interesting um, point that you make. Cause I think that that, when you think about um, traits of a godly man, I think dependability would be one of them. Right. Um, I was on your show last week. Was that last week? These are blurring together, but we talked about together. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about meekness. Right. And I think that's another, uh, a trait. So not to put you on the spot here, but what are some other like, traits of godly men that you can think of? Because I think that every guy might have a different answer, but I know that there are some concrete answers found in the Bible. One of my favorite is steadfastness. Mm. You know, um, we did, I did a sermon thing on this one when the coronavirus first hit and I was, tr we we're trying to implore people, you know, remain and, re you know, steadfast, essentially being immovable, not subject to change. You know, and, and then, um, you know, Peter talks about this, and I think it's second Peter one, make every effort to supplement to your faith. And he goes through this list, but steadfastness, it's easy to have a conviction when it's convenient. It's difficult to have that conviction when you're, you know, I'd say last night I, I, I failed. I, I have a conviction that I need to share scripture with my family. When I got home from everything that's been going on this week, I was like, I should, but I don't feel like it, man. And if I'm steadfast, if I'm immovable, not subject to change, I'm going to say, you know, what? it doesn't matter what I feel like. It matters what is right. It matters right. what it was good. So for me being steadfast, I think, um, you know, I love the having a quiet spirit. First Thessalonians four talks about, you know, work quietly, mind your own affairs, um, work with your hands, become dependent on nobody. Um, I like that idea of, of, not necessarily autonomy, but the idea of being diligent 
in, in again, steadfast in, you know, vigorous in, in what you're trying to do. Um, we had a guy in our, our, our tribe today share a, a text. I'm going to mess it up, but essentially gentleness and in sharing a scripture from David talking about gentleness. And we think gentleness usually as weak, uh, but the context he shared it in, it was, he found strength in being gentle mm-hmm. and uh, will my wife and kids find strength in me if I model gentleness for them. Man, you're hitting the nail on the head here with all these. Um, I'm going to go back to steadfastness because I think that especially in this day and age, it's, it's been true for forever, but especially now, man, we need to be steadfast, right? In the world, because if you're an impressionable guy, I mean, there are so many influences out there. They're going to pull you away from your family, pull you away from, you know, pouring yourself into the word. And if, and we've got to be steadfast, know who we are, know what we stand for and why we stand for it. Or we're going to just, you know, get carried away with the, the winds of change, if you will. So I think that's a really good point. And well, it, go so ahead. And remaining, and remaining steadfast when nobody's around. Absolutely. Because you and I can sit and talk about men need to do this and men need to do this. And uh, when I get off here, I'm, I think I'm going to eat lunch and hang out here a minute and then go back to the office. Well, will I remain steadfast and just as vigilant in being a, a growing man of God when the camera shuts off or when right. I'm off the stage or when you're not on video? Or it, that's where it really matters. When the, when the rubber hits, hits the road, the you're like, that's where you'll know if you really are steadfast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, say you're, uh, say you travel for work, you know, and you're staying in a hotel, you're by yourself. There's a bar downstairs. There's lots of entertainment on the TV. Are you going to be steadfast in those moments as well when nobody's watching? And that's why accountability is so important. I had, you know, guys that will text back and forth and they'll say, man, you know, the wife's out of town or this is happening and we'll just say, Hey, you don't need it. You don't need a second look. You don't, you take the sunglasses off, you know, whatever it is, you just implore them. Like I'm in your corner. I'm for you. And we need to get the right people in our corner, but we also need to purge that corner and make sure the wrong people are out there as well. So if you ain't married to her, she doesn't need to be in your corner. Right. Like, so just, you just know like, Hey, that's it. I, you know, my thing is you, wherever you travel, if possible, you carry, a weapon, the word, and your woman. So make sure you got whatever you need to take care of what you need to take care of. But um, accountability, you will be destroyed if you're not intentional about that. 100%. Yeah, accountability. And there's no better way to be accountable than to surround yourself with guys who are willing to step forward and tell you what you need to hear when you need to hear it, even if it's not what you want. 100%. And most of the time, it isn't what you want. If they're all bobbleheads, if they're all going yes to whatever you say, you got the wrong crew. Um, you know, you don't need a crew that browbeat you all the time, but you need to know they're saying this because it matters because it could derail my salvation or it could derail my influence or it could derail my marriage or my family. If somebody doesn't call this out of me and I tell guys, the phrase I use all the time is I owe this to you. You may not like it, but in 10 years, you'll at least know I did the right thing. Yeah. You'd be doing them a disservice if you didn't. Yeah. How much do you have to not love your children to never warn them to not play in the street or to not touch the stuff. Go, ah, they'll learn. They'll, you know, a good scar or two. No, you love them. So you do everything you can. You put the plastic things in the outlets to make sure they never put their finger in there. You, I mean, you go to great lengths to make sure that why would you not do that for another guy who has people who depend on him to get it right? Right. Yeah. And you can do it in, it doesn't have to be a, a really serious situation. I mean, you can do it over drinks, right? You can do it over a game of golf. 
um, there's, there's always opportunity to just say those things that need to be said, but in a way that can be received. Well, I want to go back to your mention of quiet spirit. And to me, when you said that, I thought of our conversation when we talked about meekness, I think that's another quality or trait of, of a man of God, um, strength in being gentle. And I, I don't know if that clicked for me years ago, because I, I think we're trained as men to think that, you know, if you're gentle, you're weak, right? And there's lots of connotations that come to mind when you think of a weak man, but it really does take an amount of strength to hold back, right? Like with, when I get angry with my son and like really, really angry, like, yeah, I could throw him against the wall. Like some guys do with their kids, but how much more strength does it take to hold on to that anger, temper it, and take more of a gentle approach? Well, and I think that's, I was thinking this on the way here today is that with temptation, you don't see how close to the line you can get and go, whoo, didn't, you know, but with temptation, like if you're home alone and you win that victory that you don't need to watch that movie. You don't need to follow that hashtag. You don't need to get on that account. You don't need a funny video. You probably need to go for a walk or go to bed. It's probably what you need to do. But when you wake up the next day, you're a little bit stronger. You're a little bit more intentional the same way with, you know, if you're working out, reading. I've said that before. I feel like working out, saving money and reading. None of them are flashy ever. But when you need them, it pays off dividends. So if you are vigilant with that, that, I know I'm strong. It's like when David, I think it's 1 Samuel chapter 30, where it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. Well, what was going on? Well, all the wives and children had been taken captive. His army wanted to destroy him. He had nothing left. He'd been living with the Philistines. I mean, you're talking about, I got you have nothing. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. I had a, a night, I don't know, six months ago, where I was about ready to throw a man fit, a little mantra, man. I was mad, and I wanted to be mad, and I was liking being mad. And that verse came to mind, and I thought, I don't want to do that. I don't want to strengthen myself in the Lord. I want to be mad. I want to punch something. I want to, well, you do need good outlets for that. I mean, yeah. that's built in you. But at the same time, when I went and got in the word, it was about 45 minutes before I started feeling better. But I'm telling you what, I felt like I grew a little bit that night because I remembered, don't throw a fit, be a man, yeah. be a good one. 100%. And I think it's a muscle that we can build over time, right? When we, when we work to temper that anger, a little bit here, a little bit there. I mean, it, it builds up to where I think you do get to a point where you can, you can really uh, forcefully preserve yourself. And in, in times where you're, you know, maybe your heart is racing and you feel like throwing a fist, but, but you don't because you can control it. I, I had this guy, he's kind of like a John Wayne guy, you know, he just, just solid, you know, and I was talking to him once about, I was, I don't know if it was gossip or something, the story going around or something. He looked at me and just said, it stops with me. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, when that stuff comes around, it stops with me. And I thought, wouldn't that be great if someone could say that about you and I? Like, I don't know what, man, but when we were doing this, it stopped with him. When he came into the room, it all changed, you know, or I mean, just that steadfastness, but that comes from one day at a time. You know, if, you, yeah. if you've made a train wreck of your life the last 20 years, oh, Jesus will redeem you. He will save you. He will start rewriting this story, but it takes one day at a time. Hundred percent, man. Man, when I when I think through the other traits, godly traits that come to my mind, I mean, they're the ones that immediately come to a lot of people's minds, like you know, being bold, being strong and courageous and truthful. And I feel like there are 
quite honestly, there are a lot of other platforms out there where guys can go and like improve themselves, but I don't feel like many of them don't touch on anything um, faith-based. It's all just surface level. Like, I mean, you've got a beard and I, I've had a beard in the past, but it's all, they put all of their stock in like beards and smoking the cigars and tattoos and all these cliche manly things. And there's nothing wrong with any of those necessarily. But I just, I guess my question is, why do you think it's so important for men to pursue biblical manliness in particular? What, what makes a biblical manhood, what makes a man better, I guess, if, if they pursue biblical manhood over just what the world says is manly? Does that make sense? Let me let me say this. If you look at me, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not about cosmetics, okay? So I shave my head. Someone tried to tell me years ago, you shave your head because you have gray hair. Well, the joke's on me because it comes out my face. So I shave my head because I wear hats and I like to not do anything in the morning except get ready. I yeah. grow a beard because I don't have to shave my face and it takes no time to do it. And my wife loves it. So that's a win-win there. So that's as far good. as facial hair, I don't care. I'll joke with you if you, you, know, if you don't have a beard. but. Um, I you know, have it's not about that. a little scruff. You got yeah, good for you. <laughs> but if if you can, you know, if you can wrestle a bear and you're going to hell, who cares? If you learn how to tie all the all the you know nautical knots and you're going to hell, who cares? We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We all have people in our life who who again who count on us. So the most important thing is. Do you understand you are created in the image of God? Do you understand that, that Satan will do whatever he can to destroy anything created that image, that your marriage is a covenant between you and your bride, that nobody is supposed to come between the two of you? The word of, of holding fast together is actually a gluing together. So if you glued a picture of you and your wife together and eight years later tried to tear it apart, it'd be a train wreck which is what divorce does, unfortunately. Yeah. But God will forgive that. He forgives it like other sins. You have children who depend on you. Everything does not just work out in the end. You have to be someone of effort. So there's a reason why we're here on this planet. So you know, you, you're here. What are you supposed to do here? And we're all going in the ground. And so we know in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone. He, uh, Romans 8.11 says that the spirit lives inside of us, the same spirit that brought Jesus out of that tomb dwells inside of us. He too will raise us from the dead. So we are essentially indestructible. We've been given the gift of immortality. That's the most important thing we can do while we're here on this planet. Man, I hope you can shoot deer from however many yards. I hope you can rebuild your engine. I, I hope, I, I, I don't care. Some people... You know, I touched on weapons. Some people are anti-weapons. That's cool, but you have a responsibility to protect. You may not like the way I go about it, but you do have a responsibility given from God, and that's fine, but it has to be based in the Word of God. It's not wrong if you wrestle a bear. It's not wrong, but if you find that as the mile marker to your manhood, you're going to be left disappointed. If you want to go run with the bulls, I think that's awesome, but that doesn't, that isn't what makes you a man. What makes you a man is understanding I'm creating the image of God. We go to Genesis one and two, where you realize you're creating the image of God. You've been given dominion over creation. You're to work and keep what's been entrusted to you. You're, if you're going to get married, you are to marry a woman and you're to hold fast to her and you're to be fruitful and multiply. Those five things were given to us before sin ever entered the world. So whether you want to look like me, listen to what I do or what you do, whatever, doesn't change the fact God gave those to us and we have a responsibility. We, we got to be responsible men. Whew, good answer, man. And I, that makes sense to me. And, 
if I'm hearing that for the first time, I'm like, hey, sign me up. But at the same time, I see so many men turn their back on that. Everything, that whole picture that you just painted, they turn their back on it. I think personally, it's because it's harder to, to go the route that you just explained. It's harder. And so guys, um, you know, they take the easy way out. What do, I mean, what do you think? Well, I think there's three things. One, the Christian life is one of restraint. The evil one would like to tell you, like in the temptation of Jesus, Matthew 4, he tried to offer him those things. He can't offer you anything. He doesn't have anything but death. That's the only thing he can offer you. Any sin that looks enticing leads to death, period. That's how that works. Number two, oftentimes we get an image of who God the creator is based on our earthly father. That's not fair to the father. And that's not fair to God. So while your father maybe tried his best or maybe he was just terrible, I'm sorry, but that's not who God the Father is. We have to understand who he is. And three, when it comes to Christianity, a lot of times we get this idea of Ned Flanders, that it's just wussy, wimpy, whatever guy who becomes a doormat. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a doormat. Mark, I don't think you're a doormat. God did not call me to be a doormat. Plenty of times in Scripture, at least three times it talks about shaking the dust off your feet and moving on. Paul talks about these people who are toxic, avoid them. We're not called to be wimpy. I'm sorry if you went to a church and it was weird or it was whatever. Listen, I'm out of church. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying not to make it weird, but you all show up. So when people show up, it gets challenging. It gets difficult. And so those three things become excuses. One, I don't want to live a life of restraint. Two, I've never had a good example of what man is. Well, at some point, that can't be your excuse no more. And three, well, I don't need the church or it was a bad experience. Christ died for the church. It's the bride of Christ. We have to figure that out. So I know right now some people from a distance or whatever, at least be faithful to your church. At least be online or at least be engaging with it. Um, I know for me, when I talk about guys in your life that speak truth to you, I have two, three, four guys on a Sunday that will text me right before I get ready to preach, and they don't even live in the state how awesome is that? That like bring the word, brother. I'm praying for you. Whatever you got to have people that are for you and with you. Yeah, hundred percent. Man, you bring up a good point about how our earthly fathers kind of set the stage for how we view God, our heavenly Father. And I think that a lot of what we're seeing in the world right now stems from fatherlessness or fathers who just weren't active or were absent. So yeah, I guess just to all the guys out there who, cause it's very common uh, to all the guys who didn't have a dad growing up or maybe had a, a, a poor relationship with their dad, man, hear what Jared's saying. Do not base your relationship with your heavenly father based off your relationship or your experiences with your earthly father. Cause they're not the same. They're not the same. The same way. If you're a father, you have children or grandchildren, you know, this you're trying like, I didn't wake up today going, I'm going to screw my kid's day up, boy. Wait till they see what I got planned. I'm trying, and I'm carrying burdens, and I'm trying to figure out what I should bring in the house, not bring in the house as far as emotion or whatever. So, you know you're trying. Your dad tried. You know, we all raised in different generations. At some point, you draw the line in the sand and you say, I'm going to take what is good, and I'm going to build from that. It's hard to lead someone on a journey where no one's ever led you. I get it. But at some point, you say, I'm going to go bushwhacking. I'm going to start cutting, and I'm going to chart my own trail. I'm going to learn what it means to get in the word of God. Oh, I'm going to mess it up. If you've never prayed with your kids or read them scripture, you're not going to know these names. You're going to butch them. They will never forget what you're trying to do. And at some point you're going to build some momentum, like paying off debt and exercising that you'll go, this becomes part of who we are, man. Yeah. 
the phrase I lean into is it will not be for a lack of effort. My kids will have their own families. They may go, we're going to do that different. I tried. I don't want to sit in my, my grandkids house someday and see traits that I didn't repent of or try to fix. And they are emulating. And I go, man, that's on me. I don't, I just don't want that. Right. And you you bring up another good point. If you, if you are attracted to biblical manliness and raising your kids up in the church and trying to lead them to God, but you just don't know how to do it because nobody did it with you. And don't let that be a reason that you don't pursue it. Cause that's, I think the, one of the benefits of surrounding yourself with other men who've been there, maybe they're a season or two ahead of you in life and they can, they can mentor you. They can, you know, uh, just, they can help you guide, guide you through the process of raising your kids, dealing with your spouse, dealing with all these issues that may, you know, I don't know. I think just inherently pull us away from leaning into God. Yeah. It's the subtle things that grow into significant things. It's usually not one day you wake up and go, I'm going to have an affair. No, it was the texting. It was the Facebooking. It was Mm -hmm. the lingering. It was the, the lunch meeting. It was the car ride. It was all these little things. And so you got to have people go, Hey man, you good? Are you, you know, and, and if you choose to ignore that, that's fine. I think, of a guy named Bob Malone that I mentioned a lot. He was a friend of mine in Iowa, good man, you know, probably 20, 30 years older than me. I don't know. Um, but I would have lunch with him and I just vent and I'd be frustrated with stuff at church and people. And, and he would just eat his food and kind of laugh, you know? And so you're like, why is he not so worked up? No, he's got wisdom that I don't have. Yeah. And he yeah. knew this is ridiculous. And after lunch, you're not going to be mad no more. Or if he needs to be the guy you vent to, that's fine. But you got to leave it at the table. You know, you had, I, I learned so much from that. And he had a hard life. I mean, his life was 10 times harder than my life, but he would just kind of laugh it off. And I think you've got to get that Titus 2 model, the older people pouring into the younger people. And whatever age you're in, there's someone younger than you that you can invest in. But theoretically, there's probably someone older than you that's got a little more knowledge and wisdom than you have, and you need it. 100%, man. I just feel like maybe it's because I am getting older myself. (laughs) But I do feel like, uh, more and more of the younger generation, they're just, they are so resistant to anything that anybody older has to say. It's like they, they're so um, independent in all aspects of life that they're just, everything that we do or say as, as, as an older generation, they just shut it down. It's like, oh, that's, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Times have changed. That's old fashioned. You know what I mean? Do you experience that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody I hire now is younger than me, it seems like. So I think I think the key is letting them ne- model listening for them. So like we got a, a guy, worship, our worship pastor. I mean, I joke with him all the time. I badger him all the time. You know, we're, we're in different generations, but um, I, I just, I'm going to learn from him. Like tell what, so what was that again? So how did you do that? Okay. So we're going to do this. We're going to, I want to model that for him because you're right. It, it is different, but I also think that doesn't change the responsibility we have to them. It doesn't change the responsibility I have to speak truth. It'd be easy to go, man, those kids don't listen. They don't know what they got. They don't know how good they got it. You're right. They don't, uh, but someday they will. Someday they'll figure it out. You know, I think God's mercy has been poured out on us. So I'll certainly do it to them. God loves that individual even more than you do. So I think if we can model the listening to them, which will take some humility on our part, um, even if you're listening to something, you're like, I have no idea what they're saying, or I can't even read that text message. I don't know. Um, It's just good to model that, but also remember, it doesn't change the responsibility we've been given. If Mm -hmm. they shrug you off, they blow you off, that's okay. You can't control that. Yeah. 
Man, I know there's a, there's a lot more to the pursuit of manliness than just your podcast. You've got a group. We've kind of touched on it here. Uh, you've got a Facebook group, but you've also got like a, what do you want? It's called Tribe. How, do you, how would you explain Tribe? Essentially, the heart of it is discipleship community. You know, I think there's a thousand ways to do discipleship. The best way is you and me sitting in a booth, eating a burger, you know, talking about Jesus with the Bible open. It's hard to get guys in your church or in community to do that sometimes. So we said, hey, we're going to try something different and see how this works. And so it's been going for three years now. In like six-month increments? Is that how it works? Yeah, so guys commit to six months at a time. It, I feel like six months kind of breaks that year up. It gives a guy an opportunity to get out. You know, if you go, hey, I just this next season of life is too busy or this isn't what I thought it was or whatever. But at the same token, as I said, it, it's easy to start something. It's hard to finish. So we talk about, can you be on this journey for six months? Because you know in life, well, shoot, ever since March, there's been a lot of life that's happened in six months. So um, yeah, there's Zoom calls, challenge videos. The main heart of it, I tell everyone, if you can do only one thing, just do the Bible reading. If you can only yeah. get that done, do the Bible reading. Well, guys, uh, I was a member of Tribe, and I can say it was phenomenal. I mean, it is work. Don't get me wrong, because there's some work that you've got to put into it, and there's you're gonna you're gonna have some skin in the game. But I think it's that's the only way to do it. Because if it's something that's just free and doesn't require any effort, then you're not going to show up. You're not going to invest yourself. And so I think it helps to have a little skin in the game. Because, like I said, you got people showing up week after week. They're doing the the reading assignments for the most part. And I do think that, I mean, it's, a, it's essentially a small group online. That's kind of how I looked at it. And so you get the benefit of the, the collective in the group, you know, where you may be, if you're, if you're studying a book, you read a, a chapter and you take something away, but another guy looked at it through an entirely different lens and you hear his perspective and it kind of opens your mind. And same with the word, you know, you're doing, you're unpacking uh, the word and, and you, you guys discuss it as a group and that's where some really interesting conversations happened when I was in it, just hearing everybody's perspective of one line of scripture. Cause you know, the, the Bible's so dense. There's so much in one, in one uh, uh, passage that you, one guy can take something away. Another guy can take something else away. And it's just really opens your mind to what God is trying to speak to your, into your life. So I enjoyed it. I, I was one of those guys that had to bow out after six months, not because I didn't like it, but I knew that life was changing drastically for me. I was starting a new business. I was trying to grow the Inspired Legacy. So I was just like, okay, I can only do so many things. We talked about keeping margin in our lives. Uh, that was one thing that I knew I needed to, to do. But I'm going to be back, man. I'm going to be back. Hey, we're registration will be soon. As, as you said, I was telling my wife last night about a guy that we have um, – I won't say where he's nothing, but he, he's, he, uh, they shoot missiles out of the sky. I don't quite understand how that works. We had a, as you know, a pastor in Belgium, we got a guy deployed when well, he's back here now. Um, we got, we, what you get is you get a good number of guys in all walks of life. I, I'll say this. If you're an alpha male, man, I'm going to start just giving you my wisdom. It's probably not the group for you because tribe is very circular, man. It's not about me. It, it, we, we do things so that you get to hear from everybody. As, as you just said, Mark, you know, diving into scripture, I, I, there's always a conversation going on in the group. Somebody posted a scripture today or actually yesterday. And I said, I didn't even notice that I had done the reading. Right. I've read that book multiple times and he pointed out something. And that's the beauty of it. If you, you know, like we got a guy who's a, who's a pilot, you know, he did something last night at two 30 in the morning. And so you're like, um, he can get home and he can have community 
even when the rest of us are still asleep or a guy in another time zone might be awake or whatever. So um, what we have found, there's a lot of guys who long for this brotherhood, but they're struggling to find it where they're at. This does not need to replace your church or small group, but it should supplement it to the point that I hope you walk into your church a stronger man of God and your pastor goes, where do I get some more of these guys? You know, um, it's about growing you as a husband, a father, a Christian, an employee, whatever. Um, it's, it's been neat. So this is our, our third year of doing it. And so the next session will start December 1st. Registration will be like mid October, somewhere in there. Well, if anybody listening is remotely interested, I encourage you to check it out. <laughs> Consider it because um, it's, it's well worth your time and well worth the investment. Jared, we're already pushing uh, 40 minutes here. So um, I don't, I don't want to hog too much of your time, but this has been really good, man. I, I really appreciate it. Mark, I, I appreciate you doing this uh, ever since I got to connect with you in tribe and then, you know, learn about inspired legacy, whatever. I, I love your heart, man. I don't love your college football team, but I love your heart. <laughs> Um, you're, you, to me are, are steadfast. You're just this constant and we need more men just saying, Hey man, I want to help. That's it. You know, I mean, we, you and I do not believe by in one at all that we have all the answers, but we're just trying to help. That's all we're trying to do. 100%. All right, brother. Appreciate you. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And again, if you got anything out of this message, remember to subscribe both here, uh, whatever platform you're using to listen to this, but also subscribe on YouTube. Like I mentioned at the onset of the show, uh, we have a presence on YouTube now. Go ahead and leave a five-star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the show notes for you to do that. And be sure to share our message because again, when we work together to lift up fatherhood, we're going to change the world one dad at a time. Until next time, live inspired.